Okay, I'm recording. I know. We got to do the intro. We have to do the intro. Okay, I know, I know, I know. So. Okay, wait, give me a second. <clears throat> and we got to break this up. Yeah. We're doing two. I don't know how you're going to do that. I'll make it work. Okay. Um, yeah, I got it. We're going to. got it? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to another episode of As Woo Woo As You Want with Celine and Jeremiah. This was Epic. an experience. Yeah. Yeah. So you are about to partake in a two-parter. Mm-hmm. Um, this is definitely going to be a two-parter. Uh we have had the amazing um, ability to, and we're actually doing this intro after the whole experience because <laughs> yeah. we kind of just jumped right in. Um, our guest today, yes. this episode was a guest episode, was Abdi Asadi, or mm. is Abdi Asadi. And Abdi is the healer, an acupuncturist, an amazing intuitive, and an author. And I mean, you're you're about to find out for yourself. He's just a, a phenomenal human soul, just yeah. amazing. And we got connected with Abby through Abdi through Leslie. Leslie. So if anyone listened to the um, our astrology episodes with Leslie Galbraith, uh, Abdi was actually her mentor. Yes. And um, you'll hear, if you listen to the, that episode, you'll hear her talk about how that's how she got into astrology was she was doing, working with she him. was, she was working for him. For him. She yeah. Was his like assistant. his assistant. Yeah. So from that, we got connected um, to Abdi and uh, Celine actually was listening to a podcast. He does this amazing podcast. Highly, highly recommend you check it out. Absolutely. It's, some of it, the later stuff is more actually like podcast ish where he's just like sitting with a microphone but the earlier stuff are recorded classes that he did um and he's new york he, he was new york city based now he's in upstate new york and um celine sent me this podcast of his and it like and you'll hear this in the interview just like completely touched where i was in my current um path and um, after listening to that, I was like, I need to have a call with Abdi. Right. So I had a call with Abdi, and he was so graciously kind to um, want to participate in the podcast. Yeah. And um, we're so excited to share this with you. Yeah. Oh, and just one more disclaimer. Um, we spoke with Abdi. He's, you know, he's in upstate New York. So we spoke with Abdi um, through Skype. So there, there are a few times where the audio drops out. Uh, huge apologies, um, but that's the way of the world. So uh, it is Mercury retrograde. So this is part one of, of part, part two of two parts of our interview, With our conversation. Yeah, it's a conversation. It's not With an interview. Abdi Asadi. Enjoy. <laughs> hey there. Abdi. Yes, sir. How are you, Jeremiah? I'm good. How are you? Hold on one sec. I just need to do a little uh, computery stuff. Sure. Can you hear me okay? Yes. Okay. Can you hear us? Hi. Absolutely. Hi there. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm Celine. Hi, Celine. Abdi. Hi. Looking forward to talking to you. Yeah, me too. Awesome. 
<sighs> okay, just needed to make sure those technical hurdles were. Yeah, yeah, do your thing. It's all good. So, um, you poor bastards read the book, huh? <laughs> <laughs> little uplifting nighty night. <laughs> so you can have fucking nightmares. <laughs> it is what actually, a joy that I loved it. I loved oh, okay. it. Thank you. It's a little intense on delving into that in our culture. I mean, you two obviously have been working on yourselves and looking inside, but in our culture, especially these days, it's amazing um, how much we avoid that internal gaze. Under yeah. the guise of doing the internal gaze, we still avoid it, you know what I mean? All these ceremonies and things, but man, we were really getting removed really quickly. Yeah, that's what mm -hmm. I really loved about the book. I was like, wow, you're just calling out all like the fake sort of new agey. Mm -hmm you know, tuning in, but it wasn't, it's not actually true. Which well, just been around that, you know what I mean? It's not, I wasn't really pointing out. I was pointing out myself as much as pointing out, but having been around this stuff yeah. for 40, 40 years, just seeing it, but it just got so much worse, you know, it's especially with the advent of how connected we are on one level with the social media, but it's become such an external reference way of being in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. Like me and Jeremiah, we were talking about this, how it really gets difficult when you're really doing the work on the real level. A lot of things don't fit. Friends leave, you know, relationships get shaky, work is confusing. It's not this kind of Oprah-esque smile painted on your face that we're sold. Absolutely. Yeah. A lot of this new agey stuff just basically hijacked that hyper-capitalist, you know, you're number one, narcissism-fed, beyond everything will be great you know just nah, it doesn't really work that way so that's sort of where we at culture right now people are waking up but they're getting their asses kicked to wake up it's not a <laughs> in my experience in my own experience personally having treated literally over ten thousand people we don't do this willingly i have yet to meet someone who does it when it's a willing thing you can pretty sure some spiritual bypass going on you have to get kind of browbeaten into be willing to look at this stuff when stuff doesn't work anymore. And boy, can we get these stories going for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Starting with uplifting energy. You can always come up <laughs> me for that. <laughs> I love that side. <laughs> we both were like, oh, yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, it's, you guys are in it and it's beautiful. You know what I mean? You, you have to be in it in order to have that quote unquote salvation. It's just that salvation in the way that the ego is running after it, isn't it? The ego's head's got to get cleaved right off in a loving way so it can actually be in service of the soul, not the other way around. When the ego tries to hoard the soul for its purposes of grandiosity, um, that's when you get a nemesis. I don't know if you're familiar with Greek tragedies. You know, nemesis was the goddess that the gods would send to kick your ass when you had a lot of hubris. So when you had hubris... Uh, nemesis would come sort you out so she'd show up and she was a goddess of divine retribution mm. so a narcissist the arrogant one she's the one that took him to the pool and then he saw his reflection and uh. fell in love with it and depending if you subscribe to the greek mode or the roman um way of looking at it you know he dies there one is he he's so in love he can't leave so he actually starves to death one is he commits suicide because he can't leave and, you know, these sort of archetypes are internal maps. As the human psyche was developing, these cultures had a roadmap. And we kind of laugh at this stuff. That's ridiculous or isn't that cute. 
But these are actually things that happen inside of us, and then when we don't heed them, they start happening culturally. But yeah. that's sort of where we are right now, right? The hubris, what's happening with the planet, what's happening in politics, you know, all this stuff's coming up, and the internal nemesis is going to come sort everything out. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah. because we're, we're offending the soul, you know what I mean? And we are the soul, but we're offending it because we've confused it with the personality. Ooh. And the iPhone is the perfect pool that we stare into and then die because we're in love with that reflection without actually living fully, right? So Narcissus was this really beautiful God, and everybody would fall in love with him, and he would reject their love. He wasn't capable of taking love in, and he destroyed a lot of lives. So, you know, the goddess Echo, who was in the woods, who that's where the term Echo comes from, who was invisible. And then when she made her visible, herself visible, Narcissus really pushed her off. And then she literally died. And that's what you hear in the woods is the echo. Like, it's so interesting how these things are happening culturally for us. They're literally being played right out in front of us if you apply these archetypes. Mm. But we don't quite get it because we've lost the language. Yeah. Which is also part of what's happening in this fascist culture that we live in. You know, the way we're all being manipulated by these really bright minds through social media. I mean, it's this huge social experiment. No one really realizes that. Uh-huh. We are the commodity that is being bought and sold, but it's the confused, lost part of us, not the awake part. So it's not, again, becoming a Luddite and, um, you know, waging a war against these things. Just use these things as a free person. Mm-hmm. Be in this world as a free person. Absolutely, we incarnated to taste things, but taste them as a free person. Narcissus wasn't tasting things. Narcissus was so in love with his own image, he fell in love and couldn't leave the pool. And now we've named a flower after him. So isn't it great? These flowers that grow in a body of water. Like, oh, that's not really a happy ending. Mm. So th- these are like real loud warnings that were passed down by the ancestors to us. But Again, we, in the name of science, which has become a new religion, have disconnected ourselves from these things. It doesn't mean we have to run into caves and make cave drawings, but it certainly means we have to have some kind of reckoning with that disowned part of us. Yes. Mm-hmm. So how's it, how's it for you guys? Like, where are you guys at in your <laughs> spiritual life? As I yabber here, like, where are you guys at? Like, where are you at in your lives? Tell me. Uh... You want me to go first? <laughs> well, what do you mean? Where are we at? Like, what's specific? Internally, what does that mean internally? Yeah, internally, internally, emotionally, where are you at? I feel like I'm at the point where it gets very chaotic and destructive very fast. Like, I came into the studio mm-hmm. today in a mm-hmm. tornado, just mm-hmm. because twenty million things happened, and I'm trying to stay centered, and I'm trying to breathe and you know accept darkness i do love shadow stuff fyi god great um, i'm your huckleberry yeah well yeah i don't know i i feel like definitely there's a shift in energy around me and how Sometimes I'm really good at responding and not being super reactive to things. And mm. other times I'm just, you know, being a little dumpster human and just freaking out. So I kind of am pleased, though. I kind of like the process. That's I do feel beautiful. like it's, I'm getting somewhere. Well, you are. When things fall apart that quickly, besides the fact that when it's retrograde, it's actually a good thing. 
because it means you can't keep the shtick going. So yeah. that phase of things falling apart that way is actually a blessing, right? It's like we don't really quite connect with that, but it's a mitzvah in that it's a blessing in that it really forces us to realize we can't work our will. Yeah. yeah. Like the easiest thing is like the safest thing is like surrender. People are like, what the hell does that mean? It's actually a very active thing. Yeah. <laughs> but, but when you can't work your will, it's like a great sign of actually how committed that aspect of self is. I just won't let it go for two, three years. It'll be like five minutes later, you can hit in the head with a two by four. So as <laughs> as, as it can be. Yeah. Sure. It, it really is a blessing. Um, what about you, Jeremiah? Well, uh, following our phone conversation, which, by the way, I just yeah. I have to tell you this because I'm mm. very curious to hear your uh, perspective on it. Mm-hmm. Um, I had after your our call, I had a very long day um, mm. and I, I was doing a bunch of different things. And literally at the end of the day, I'm walking home and I'm two blocks away from my apartment and I got hit by a car. Wow. Wow. You OK? I'm OK. I'm yeah. okay, thank God. And yeah. you know, like if if I was ever to get hit by a car, this was the best way to get hit by a car. But mm-hmm. I was really. I know it's significant. I yes. know it's symbolic. Mm-hmm. Um, I think maybe, maybe it, it will become clear, you know, at some point. But mm-hmm. it was it was something, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was definitely something. So. Um, whether it was like further uh, a further indication of release or you know um uh literally being like knocked into a new paradigm of some kind mm-hmm. i don't i don't even know what but well it's good to let these things reveal themselves obviously but you know these when these things happen you can they usually either file in the shit happens category or that's significant and the psyche knows when it's which the psyche knows when it's going to make a story about something because it's unpleasant, which is not your case. And the psyche also knows that it needs to pay attention. Mm. And, you know, when we had our session together, you're showing up for yourself. So it's not about me. I do my best to be a clear channel. But it takes courage on your part to face an aspect of self. So a lot of times, because I've actually had this similar experiences with car accidents, it's literally like getting grounded. It's literally being shaken up. It's really being forced to like pay attention. Like yeah. you can't be up in the air. Like you gotta be here fully. You know, there's like these little knocks that just really shake the body mind. And sometimes not even about intellectually understanding it. You already know in your body when it happened, like something's shifting. Like already it's like a shift. So the rest of it will reveal and then we build stories around it. But like just when you talk about it, it's like, yeah, I got, there's something happening. Like there's something happening is good. And you also know something happening, not because you were unconscious, but something is happening to take your game to the next level, right? And then it, time reveals it. But it's, you know, obviously one has to be very careful, especially in this climate, not to get into too much of a storytelling about it. But the second you say it, I know it's significant, you know it's significant. So you know it's not a story thing. It's some aspect of the psyche wanting your full attention. Yeah. And how those things work. You know what I mean? It's like, be here all the way now. Well, it's funny, that, you know, the grounding thing I think is is it uh, yes. because I remember when we when we had our call and you know one thing that I really love about your work is so much of it is embodiment, getting back into your body, literally like bringing bringing the awareness underneath the head, like you yes. know getting getting the rest of the body involved. And I remember that day 
very consciously trying to continue. You know, I loved your prompt, how you said, like, literally put your head underneath your feet. Mm -hmm. um, and I was like doing that over and over again. Yeah. So you actually reminded me because I think I actually kind of forgot that that's where my head was at when it happened. And I literally got hit on the like leg on the upper oh, wow. on the upper leg. Yeah, it's I mean, the, the grounding thing is huge because the thing I realized really early on, <clears throat> you know, having been a martial artist since I was younger and, you know, doing all these practices was like I was never in my body. And how I learned that was learning biofeedback because I was going to teach it in my early 20s. And then I started working with people with biofeedback. No one was in their body. Mm. Yeah. One of the things I learned with those equipment, and I had some really good teachers, obviously, um, they were teaching me that if you can actually work on grounding yourself, all the relaxation parameters kick in. So you don't need to mantras, or the mantras are wonderful. You don't need to do exercise, or they're wonderful, qigong. Like I literally had martial arts students that I would get in there who weren't in their bodies. You know, like people would do their thing if they were dancers, if they were martial artists, if they were yogis, when they were doing their thing. The second they stepped off the mat, they were actually back in their heads. And this makes sense because the first way we deal with trauma as children is we leave the body. You know, as soon as thinking starts forming, that's the first drug that we use after basically um, pinching our butt because our anal sphincter hasn't uh, started forming yet, so the whole anal thing. So we actually pinch our butt when we're really nervous, which is why kids get constipation, all these digestive issues when they're not safe. But the next thing is really the thinking thing. Mm -hmm. And it just goes on into life. And then we're in a culture right now, which is beyond that, right? It's like when we're looking at these phones all day long, that's just the next level. We don't even have that moment or two when we would have, and we just kind of would stare blankly yeah. outside at the sun or looking at something and yeah. have relaxed mode, you know, like we don't even do that because we're so in this beta state all the time, which is also all insomnia. So that makes you more tired, so makes you more heady. So it's a vicious loop. Mm. Yeah. So the body is really millions of years old. It has the information you need. So for example, for you, Jeremiah, to feel that thing that happened with the car accident and just feel your body and see what the body has to say. Yeah. The body will literally give you the guidance, like, oh, that's what it is. But I'm telling you that the body piece is something that most people that I work with really miss. And those of us who've had more traumatic experiences, we really, really don't want to be in a body. Mm -hmm. right? like people, people can have full-on meditation practices and still not be in their body. I mean, I treat lots of people that will do all kinds of meditative practices. I mean, they can kind of split themselves, but they're not really present when they're meditating. You know yes. what I mean? They can sit there and do the mantra or like, oh, I'm doing mindfulness, but they're not really, really present. So... The embodied thing is really powerful. So as we're talking right now, just three of us, let's just drop our feet in and also invite your listeners. Just literally drop your breathing. All right, so we hold a little bit there. Just relax the butt. We hold a lot in our butts. We actually pinch our hips and butts. And then literally allow the feet to widen as if the toes are stretching out and the bottom of the feet melting into the floor. So whether you're at home, whether you're driving a car, whether you're in a subway car, like just expand your feet. Right? And you feel it like the head just gets lighter and the feet get heavier. It's a very kinesthetic thing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right? You feel that? So from an energetic perspective, that's literally what's going on. The energy flows where the awareness is. And then people have a very Western worldview, like, oh, that's crazy, I don't believe in energy. Like, okay, so what happened now, we went from a sympathetic 
nervous system dominance, which is a stress response, your adrenals are on fire, to a parasympathetic. You don't have to use terms like energy. You can just be like, I'm relaxing. But I'm actually getting my parasympathetic nervous system to kick in. That's a relaxation response. Hmm. Right? And it's interesting, all these truths actually converge when you drop into the body. Right? The energy starts flowing. You go into relaxation mode. Intuitively, your intuition gets heightened. Because when you're in your head, intuition shuts down. Intuition and thinking are different things. Yeah. 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 People confuse that. Intuition actually is the opposite of thinking because it's a kinesthetic felt response. It might get translated into thinking, but the first part of it is a hit. When I say I have a gut feeling, I don't say I have a gut thought. So the gut is the original brain that actually forms in your stomach. You have the same neuropeptides in the lining as you do in your brain. So it's a gut feeling. It's actually your first original brain. So this feeling the body piece actually kicks in that original sense that we lost. So that's the thing that you're talking about, Jeremiah, like I got hit by a car. Mm-hmm. I got a feeling, this is significant. Yes, you have a feeling, because you know it is. But it was your feeling, because that feeling is two million years old. Yeah. These, yeah. these meat suits are 200 years old. These brains are only a couple hundred years old. Mm-hmm. Truly. Mm-hmm. Right? So that's also like kind of wild, how we become uber dependent on this new kid on the block. <laughs> and then we kick the crone out. We're like, yeah, I'm going to that one. She's too old. Get out of here. He's like, ah, no, 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 no. Slow down there, buddy. Like, she's the wise one. This little kid up here, snotty-nosed kid running up upstairs, like, that's causing all kinds of havoc. Right? So this is really, really important, this piece. It's one thing I can share with you I've learned after 35, 36 years of doing this work. Like, the one thing I can show people, which immediately shifts everything if I can't talk, is that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. It also makes you hard to focus because when you do it, then it's sort of like your brain goes <laughs> into that blank mode. So it's like quiet piece. Yes. Well. Yeah, but that's awesome, right? That that like learn to tolerate that silence, even like five, six, seven seconds, whatever it was. We never do that in this culture, right? Yeah, it's great that you guys actually did. It's great that you're holding it, and then you're trying to take care of me. It's like, well, you know, I don't make you my guest uncomfortable. Let me talk. But like, you felt it's like, no, we can actually sit there. Now, yes, people haven't tuned into you to listen to silence, but the silence thing is a really, really powerful practice. Yeah, I, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I love that about your, you know, on your podcast. There are definitely moments of silence um, yeah. when we had our call. You know, mm-hmm. there were two or three times where we just sat in silence and it was just so, it was healing, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, there was one time where I, I felt compelled to say something. I think I said, sorry or something. And he said, mm-hmm. see, like mm-hmm. right there, you're excusing yourself and you're mm-hmm. not allowing yourself to just be, yes. um, and you have such a, an amazing, just, it's, it's a open your presence is incredibly compassionate and healing. And it just feels like uh, when I had my call with you, I just felt like I was really communing um, mm. on a soul level. And it just was, Beautiful. it was just such a wonderful thing. Um, well, it takes one to know one. You're so open yourself. <laughs> this is true. You know, and that kind of, yeah, no, it's the same. I'm, a, you know, I'm just mirroring back to you. The, the important thing is 
that compassion comes from pain. Like in my experience, like I've had a very brutal life, a lot of beauty, but incredible pain as a child and seen horrendous things when I was very young. It really turns into that if you work with it. Mm -hmm. It can make you a bitter, angry person, which I definitely had that experience when I was younger. But also when you work with it, it really sweetens things. Because it's only when you've done all these things that are horrendous and lived them that you just don't judge other people. Like you can't force yourself not to judge other people. But when you like look at the shadow part, which we'll, we'll get into, and you go like, oh, we're all the same. We all. Right. And this is this hubris thing, right? The hubris piece, which leads to a goddess nemesis coming and sort your ass out. That's the wounding. That's the un, uh, wrestled with shadow. I'm the most beautiful. I'm great. I can't hold love because I'm in love with myself. That's really where we're at. And the shadow work just softens you. You go like, even with all my shit, even with all my woundings, I can actually choose to love. Yeah. I can choose to forgive myself for all the stuff that I've done unconsciously, even though it's hard to sit with it, and then love. And really, that's the only solution I've come up with. And that doesn't mean that you're not going to want to freaking headbutt some cabbie that just ran you over. But you catch yourself. You know what I mean? You catch yourself. You're like, yeah, headbutt's probably not a good idea. Yeah, guy wasn't looking. I need to deal with this. So the self-unacceptance is also a really big part of not doing a shadow work. And the unfortunate thing about all these social media aspects is it's really perfected that narcissism slash idealized self-image, which mm. is never real, to a level that's just unbelievable. Mm. Right? Before you're hanging out with someone, if they do a line of coke, they just talk shit. You're just like, oh, my God, shut up. Like, but now it's like people are on that drug, which is their phone. So they keep perfecting, perfecting and presenting and presenting. Mm. Right. And, and like narcissists, you can never get fed enough. It'll never be enough. Right. He could never accept love. He always rejected people's love. And that's the thing. You can have 10 million followers. You're still going to be starving. Like th these are real things, right, that we are paying through the nose for. And we're addicted to it. We're like actually addicted to that aspect. But again, we have to take heed. It didn't bode well for that archetype. It didn't bode well because he starved, committed suicide, whichever we want to look at it, because he was staring at the pool. We'll just replace the pool with the screen. And that's the archetype of what's happening to us culturally. Again, does this mean poo-poo everything? No, but just means we have to wake up to what's happening externally, right? This yeah. polarization that's happening is all this projection we're doing on each other. It's wild. I mean, it's mm. really, really wild. People don't appreciate these things have dire, serious consequences. You know what I mean? I've lived through civil wars. It's like it's not fun, but what's happening slowly here, the fraternal order of police with 300,000 members of law enforcement comes out last week and starts saying, you know, if you're going after Trump for an impeachment, we disagree with it. It's like, wait, what? Right? This, this is happening in real time yeah. because this is the projection. Like, he's our guy. He's like, wait, you guys are here to protect and serve. What the hell is this about? It starts splitting culture. And it's amazing how we project back and forth. Like, you got the left, you got the right, you got this, you got that. Forget about politics. I mean, that's an important thing. But that's not what is at issue here. It's very hard to look at our own shadow when we look at culturally what's going on. Mm. It's much easier to see. The level of defense mechanism we all have, unless we get caught red-handed 300 times, we never accept that we actually have a shadow. Right? We can talk about it, and like, yeah, but we don't really, really, at the end of the day, it's them. It's somebody else. 
it's your partner, it's your best friend. It's really, really not you. Yeah. Right. And the thing that you guys are describing, what you're going through is like, no, no, you're actually realizing it's you. Now you got to really deal with the fact that it's you. That's when the healing occurs. So do you think that actually all this like polarization and just almost just being so narcissistic in our society is mm-hmm. going to propel a good outcome? Like a, you know, a almost like reckoning and... It's happening. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's happening. It's just that two things there. One is that it can just unfold yeah. and not, not heal anything. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean, I was, I was raised in Africa as a kid, so I've seen civil wars and you know, it, it can actually happen and be a healing. It can actually happen. Nothing changes. I mean, we've done that in this country already. Yeah. Right. We've done that 200 years ago. We, we were chopping each other. So now when you see in Oklahoma and they just removed, you know, concealed carry and people can start carrying without any kind of it's like the Wild West all of a sudden. So you got these people wrapping machine guns around them. And that's a whole thing you can break down. I'm not for against guns. I'm not saying that. Just it's interesting observing what's happening. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. As an element of this is so much fear. Yeah. Like crime, crime is at the lowest rate in America right now, right? It's kind of wild. Like that, that is at the lowest rate. As someone who was raised in New York City in the 70s, <laughs> people like, no idea, man. It's like you were scared just to freaking your own shadow walking down the street. So what, why is everyone so frightened? It's actually the aspect that you're not owning actually owns you. Mm. Right? It's just, again, like if you pull up some of these images of what's going on in Oklahoma, it's wild. It's like people are like in Somalia, you know, literally have like ARs wrapped around and walking around. And it's just interesting to observe that, also a little bit scary. Mm-hmm. So to go back to your question, like, yes, is it healing? It can, but not if we don't actually wake up. Right. And this is the thing that I see all the time, you know. I live upstate New York now, three hours outside of New York City. I literally have the same conversation with people, and mostly I listen that my democratic friends say in the city or my quote-unquote left-leaning friends say in the city and quote-unquote my Republican right-leaning. It's the same conversation. It's just you can swap Clinton for Trump and them is the same them, but those are the city slickers and the city, what do they call them, Shiites here? It's really funny, <laughs> the city people. And then, and then, yeah, it's really good. That makes me crack up. And then, up, you know, down in the city, it's like those rednecks, isn't that? But, like, you know. Yeah. These are all good people. They love their families. They're not some horrible energy. It's the, it's the projection part. Mm-hmm. Like no one actually can take a second and be like, yeah, what is this person saying? Yeah. Like, you know, what is it with these quote-unquote rednecks? What is it with these city slickers? Like why are they saying what they're saying? But, of course, our media also feeds that because there, there's actually that divide and conquer thing sells things. And people can really, you know— cash in on that then you got the political mm-hmm. slash state mechanism divide and conquer works great so they can rape and pillage the point of one percent like you know it just there's so many layers to it and then you sound like a crazy conspiracy theorist but <laughs> it's like deeper than that because of the unconscious that's running even that mm. you know what i mean if it's us against them i mean i used to treat billionaires like they don't feel any safer like people think they always have this image of like Man, if I had a million dollars, I'd be fine. No, you won't, because then you have to actually work after saving that. So I'm telling as a person who didn't have money and, you know, didn't come from money, had to struggle, and then now it's comfortable. Like, yes, any day of the week, I'll take being comfortable. But being around people who literally had the extra zeros at the end and just observing them, it doesn't change. Unless you're at peace internally, you're not going to be at peace internally. There's just that much more to protect. Mm-hmm. And the whole... You know, like the joke of like, ah, oh, these people are so cheap. Yeah, because they're really afraid. Because on one level, yeah, people do try to like 
swing one over people want their thing and on some level there's got to be some on more thing in you where it's just not enough and you got to keep going at it right it's sort of like al pacino and scarface at the end he's got freaking three tons of coke in front of me just like snorting it and eating it you know i'm just like hey, you're not, not gonna work buddy you can shove all that in there he already talks out like all that's gonna happen is gonna be heart attack or liver failure like there's no more getting high it doesn't stop you mm. from wanting to shove more in there mm. right and that's the whole hungry ghost thing that the buddhists talk about that wonderful image yeah that was beautiful of this ghost with a huge belly with a pinprick for a mouth right and you can never shove enough food into it to fill that belly well that's all of us right now in this culture yeah. You know what I mean? You just can't buy enough or consume enough or be cool enough or, you know. And even to me, as someone who's been around this scene for a long time, even the outsiders, quote unquote, are these corporate images. You know what I mean? Like everyone's consumers. So if you're a hipster, this is how you look. This is how your beard is. no different than when we're punk rockers. But at least when you're a punk rocker, you, you didn't have to consume. You just were like, yeah, you don't have to wear deodorant. That was like radical. You don't have to even buy <laughs> shit. Like that was cool then. It was like, you know what I mean? Like late 70s, like, whoa, you don't have to like brush your teeth and your hair look like this. <laughs> now I look at people like being counterculture, you still consume to be counterculture. Like yeah. everything has become consumption. You know, you do yoga and then you got to, you know, announce to the world that you're a yogi. By the way, you dress, the types of yogi clothes you buy, the kind of mat you throw down. All of it, you're a martial artist. It's this level of gear. It's not like... The old is we just went in with a t-shirt and a judo pants and kicked the shit out of each other and learned something. Everything has become a form of consuming. So that's also the culture that we swim in, which is not a world culture, right? It's not yeah. just here. It's everywhere. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that doesn't also bode well because there's not a, lot, not a lot of room for our humanity there. Again, I'm not a Luddite. I love shit. I love shopping. Do it consciously. Mm -hmm. yeah. Do it, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's the part. We're here to experience things. Yeah. But we're not conscious. Right. And that mm -hmm. middle piece is also really, really tricky. It's very easy to be like, fuck this and throw the middle finger. Yeah. Middle finger, you're still as much a part of the system, quote unquote, as the person who's in it, because you're not coming from your center. Your center is defined as a fuck you to the system. Right. So to truly be independent. And that's the thing we were talking about before. It's painful because you actually have to detox from many ways of being for a long period of time. To the point of even like sometimes detoxing from close people to you that you've known for a long time. Because you have to hear your own voice. Yeah. But that scares the hell out of people. Right? Like when we get on this path and waking up, some people are really able to keep their lives. I've never seen it. I'd love to meet that person. But I'm just open to that. I, for me personally, it wasn't like that. It just got thinner and thinner and thinner. And to the point where it just scares people. You're not judging them. You love them. But when you're not it's like, you know, when I stopped doing drugs and hanging around people that I did drugs, it didn't really work well. Within an hour when they were obliterated, I couldn't even talk to them. I would just leave. Yeah. You know, like if you stop drinking, you're an alcoholic. It's like it's good for the first 10 minutes. The second they have like six drinks in them, you can't even talk to them. You're like, yeah, how was I doing this? So mm -hmm. that's also part of the spiritual process that we talked about, Jeremiah. Like mm -hmm. it, people don't discuss that enough. There is a real dark night of the soul. That's a very real thing where we have to step back and hold our own counsel. Then we can re-enter, but the re-entry will be very different. Yeah. You, know, like you can't go to a bar when you're an alcoholic for the first bunch of years. Mm. After that, you don't want to go to a bar. But if some people are at the bar 10 years later, yeah, you go to a birthday party. You probably won't close it down, but it's not like a resistance like, I can't go, I can't go. I also feel we don't talk about that in our sort of vocabulary in America anyway about the spiritual process, man. It's... Very heavy duty, how you got to give everything up. 
before you can even do the work. Mm -hmm. You guys ready to kill yourselves yet? I can continue and really depress you. But the, the good point here is, they're like, oh, my God. The real good point here is actually there is salvation. I mean, there really is serenity and peace. And that's the other thing that we forget. Like, we chase after this thing, and then we we'll go into this sort of no man's land. That's a while. It's a process, but it ends. But we forget that in that place, a lot of the things that we were worshiping that was killing us, we don't worship anymore. Mm -hmm. But at that point, you're too worried about, like, God, how am I going to make a living? And, oh my God, is my marriage going to work? Is my girlfriend good? Is my boyfriend good? Do I need a boyfriend? Do I need a girlfriend? Who the hell am I? That period is actually quite tricky, right? And again, it's not, it's very easy to forget all the goodness that also come, has come at that point before you go to the next level. Just the fact that you're not playing the game anymore. You're mm -hmm. not in the matrix, really, mm. right? But it's like a parlance wants to get reinserted back. You know, what was that line? I want to have a glass of red wine and taste a juicy steak yeah. if you're a meat eater. It's like, yeah, there's an aspect that misses that. But then the other part is like if you become a vegan or a vegetarian, like, oh, meat, disgusting. I could never eat meat again. Like, it's that energy. But we've got to make room for it without collapsing into it. How do you make room for it? Just talk about it. Yeah. Like, yeah, man. Okay, I miss that. I mean, when I stopped doing drugs, people would just be like, oh, man, it's so horrible. I was like. I actually had some good times with drugs. I mean, I buried a lot of friends. It was horrendous, but I couldn't just say it was horrible. I would never want to do it, but it wasn't cool to say that. No, it was all mm. this. It was like, mm, no, it wasn't. Like, in the beginning, it was good. Before it became a thing, it was actually awesome. Too bad I couldn't do it that way. Mm. That's not politically correct to say. And that's sort of what happens with us internally. Mm. You know I mean, we don't, like, yeah, let your human selves be. Of course, you're going to want to grieve those aspects, those behaviors that you can't do anymore. It's fine wasn't all bad, but there were things that didn't work, and now you need to come out, look at it from the outside, and then go back in if you decide from a different place. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was just thinking about that. Mm. How does that manifest in either one of your lives, or has it, or does it? I mean, for me, I feel like I'm in, and this is kind of what we were talking about and, and why I, you know, one of the reasons why I wanted to chat with you is Celine actually, you know, we, we found out about you through Leslie. Mm -hmm. um, who, Leslie. Yeah. And, you know, Leslie was on the podcast and she was amazing. And um, mm -hmm. she said, yeah, I worked with this guy. And we were like, who's that Ooh. guy? <laughs> um, I, 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 at some point, I do want to hear a little bit more about just your your story and your background, because Celine is also an acupuncturist. And I, you know, oh, sure amazing. There's, there's I didn't know that. Um, yes. Yeah. What style do you practice? Um, more a conglomeration of Japanese, some traditional Chinese. And actually, lately, I just have been getting into esoteric acupuncture. I love it. I went after my own heart. Yeah, <laughs> that Japanese stuff is dope. How huh? for our culture, the Japanese stuff works so well. The Vietnamese Japanese stuff. Yeah. Because, you know, the Chinese, as amazing it was. I mean, I, I went to China really early on, and I was so dismayed at what I saw, especially having been a martial artist since I was really young. You know, Mao was a materialist, a didactic, so he really, like, took out all the spiritual aspects that these different family traditions had and made it a very medical model, which, you know, it always had its purposes. But in China, back then anyway, early 90s, 
um, unless you were an herbalist, they didn't really consider you a healer. Like, yeah, just were low level. They're like, you know, body workers. Like, yeah, go, go on, little boy. Like, uh-huh. let, let the real doctor walk in. So unless uh-huh. you were doing herbs, it wasn't a thing. But the Vietnamese very much kept that esoteric thing going in the Japanese as well. Yeah. The kind of that aspect. So it's so funny how that stuff escaped China and came to these cultures. Anyway, we won't talk shop, but good for you. That, that's really awesome. I just find it really applies so well to our culture, especially the Japanese stuff, because people hold so much in their physical mm. pain and the Japanese yeah. stuff really stuff up. Yeah. Um, Leslie's awesome. Leslie's a real trip. She's, she's, she's really interesting. I mean, we worked together for a bunch of years, and she does a wonderful work. She does. Cool lady. Yeah. She's, she's, she's applying best. her stuff. Yeah. Yeah, she is. She's really lovely. Yeah. She's um, so go on. Yeah, no. So, so then, um, uh, you know, we had found out about you. Celine listened to your podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, about and, just what you were talking about yeah. just now about how it's difficult to maintain relationships, mm-hmm. everything when you become more spiritual. And then I forwarded that to Jeremiah yeah. because it reminded of me of Jeremiah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know when you when you start to you know, like we had, we had talked about, and I've talked about this on the podcast, so I don't mind sharing it. But um, mm-hmm. you know the the surrendering practice that I've done, um, mm-hmm. it's not the norm <laughs> in the states, and so you know as you do it more and more, and you're realizing literally what you were saying at the top of of when we started talking about releasing releasing the ego from the, you know, as the grand architect of your life and re- and like mm. offering that over to this, whatever higher thing is, whether it's consciousness yes. or divinity yes. or your higher self, your oversoul, whatever. Mm. Um, when mm. you get to that place, it becomes really hard to connect with people because most people are still in grabby mm-hmm. ego mode mm. where they're like, what did you, you know, how, what did you invest this year for the blah, blah, blah. And it's like, <laughs> to a certain extent, right? Like, that's cool. But, you know, um, when it's, it's, it defines your life and there's fear underneath all of that. And yeah. um, zero fucks given. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and what you're saying with the, the hungry ghost analogy is perfect. That's what it is where it's, it's never mm. enough. It's never enough. I'm afraid. I'm afraid. I'm afraid. And to be going through this very intense experience, um, and luckily, I have I have a, a wonderful group of friends and, and a really supportive family, so I didn't feel totally alone. But regardless, there were still moments where I did feel alone, you know, because yeah. it is my path and it is no one else's yes. path. And so when when I heard, um, you know, the podcast that Celine sent me, that, um, and you, you talk about that, um, it's not sexy. <laughs> it's, it, you know, it's not, yeah. I, I, like we were just saying with, with, with the spiritual work. Uh, you know, a lot of people make it look really sexy, like you're going to get to this place. And it's like, yes. it's kind of the opposite. It's like you end it's up like shitting so. on yourself and you're like, yes. oh, my God. And you're like crying and like, you know, like literally dying. You're literally yeah. dying because your ego yeah. is dying. And it's like very yeah. hard to um, relate to people. Um, yeah. And so when I had my call with you, I was just like, I don't know. I just knew that you. I felt like I commiser- I could commiserate with you. Yeah. And and there was something incredibly valuable about literally just holding space with you mm. with that shared understanding. And like that was it. Like I didn't even want you know like there were there were points where literally I didn't feel like I needed to say anything to you. Yeah. You know, and I don't I don't I don't think you need you you knew that. So yeah. um that that's where I'm at. So I'm at a reentry point where um it's like okay, well, I'm still alive, <laughs> yeah. right? Like I'm still on this yeah, plane. Yeah, yeah. And so what, what does that mean now? 
Um, well, I mean, you, you want to experience, it. right? I mean, the reentry piece, like we are here to experience things. To experience it as a free person, that's something a lot of us don't do. Mm. Yeah. So, you know, you literally go like, okay, if, if this is one's worldview, I'm not trying to sell anything, but it just works. It's like, okay, so you incarnate for some reasons. I mean, literally it might be because you want to eat ice cream all day long to figure that out. It's like, it's not these grandiose things. One thing I learned working with people that are dying over the years, it was like really crazy when the ideas of them betraying themselves, like healthy old people, it's very different. People die at a young age from horrible illnesses and just heartbreaking. But, you know, there's just the things that they did. It's just like, I hated my life. I wanted to do this. I didn't do that. Yeah. I literally wanted to have a trip. I wanted to go to the beach once here. I never did that. I wanted to play with my kids more. I wanted to have kids. I wish I adopted kids. You know, I wasn't honest about my sexuality. I hated my marriage. Like very simple but big things. Yeah. But boy, like dealing with that in the last couple of hours, days, weeks of your life is gut-wrenching. So one thing when you have that ego that it's really be like, okay, so what is this new compass and what do you want to experience? And someone's like, nothing. I just want to, like, do my thing. Do work nine to five, come home, crack a beer, watch TV. Great. Do it consciously. It's not necessarily like I need to go help all the lepers spread out all through Southeast Asia. <laughs> or it might be that. Like, right. it's, But these stories are so, like, we have these great, grandiose things. And, you know, end of the day, nothing stops the suffering. It's just that your relationship with it changes. Mm. You know what I mean? And that's the part. Like, no one gets out of here alive. And it sounds so actually mean that it's so interesting you can do all kinds of service and still get your ass handed to you and you probably will i mean again that's that, that's like the second chapter of that spiritual work it's just that if you die consciously now um that death becomes much easier and if you toss yes. up the ego that death the, the real death which is really actually this death is probably more real than that one but meaning the end of life death is really really easier and if you don't if you keep fluffing it off it gets way way harder yeah mm -hmm. Yeah. You know I mean, it's just so so much harder to let go. That's why all these cultures, people yeah. always would tell me, I would do death practices. I came up clinically um, working with AIDS patients, right? So when I started my practice, started practicing, I was at 80s, and then my practice, I was literally like still in school, and I started working in these clinics, and all these horrible AIDS situations were coming, and none of these drugs were coming. So all of a sudden, I went from being like the acupuncturist to like, the doorman that held the door open as these young guys died. And literally, they were only a couple of years older than me, sometimes my age. And I was like a kid. I was like 21, 22. Yeah. And just observing that, and then I was like, oh, my God, that's why these cultures, like the Tibetans, they really practice this dying thing. Like, we don't practice dying. It sounds so absurd in our culture. Who wants to practice dying? When you start seeing that stuff, like, oh, my God, we should all be at least doing it once a year for a couple of weeks. Mm -hmm. That should be, like, definitely a thing that people do. We don't even do it. We don't even talk about it. We don't talk about it. We put makeup on people for fuck's sake. We like <laughs> dress them and put makeup on them to make them look alive. I mean, like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like as a kid, I lived in India for a while and you'd watch these corpses exploding, you know, on fires. You're just like, well, that's not permanent. Like you get that message. Yeah. Mm. I mean, I mean you, in some Muslim countries, they put you in a, you know, piece of cloth, like the Jewish tradition, they bury you. Like we put people in suits and dresses and makeup on them. Yeah. This is how crazy, but on one level, like, that's oh, interesting. Is This is the denial. Yeah. This is the denial that we're in, but that permeates everything because unless you made, it's not a morbid thing. People always tell me you're so morbid. It's it's just the opposite. If you make peace exactly. with that dying aspect, then you can actually live. Yeah. Then a lot of things that scare you won't hold you back. Yeah. Whereas so much of what people 
people isn't from a free place. It's from a place of actually pushing that abject terror of dying away. You know what I mean? And then that's just fear. And that fear permeates fear. It just feeds on itself. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Mm. Yeah, that was really beautifully put. Mm. So what does that mean for you? Well, I was just going to say, and very appropriate for like Halloween. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Well, Halloween is so interesting, right? It's like the one time where we let um, the unconscious roll forward. Mm-hmm. And I love it in our culture. It's all about the sluttiness. So it's like that part of it is like, yeah, we're so repressed mm-hmm. on that level, right? For such an open culture, it's so crazy how sexually yeah, we're yeah. still repressed. I mean, for a culture that spends gazillions of dollars on porn and everyone's doing these things, like we're the most <laughs> unhealthy sexual <laughs> culture, man. It's just like, holy shit. And all, all sides of it. I don't care. You're trans, gay, straight. It's like, we're fucked. <laughs> I mean, I mean definitely a little bit more honesty in sort of those cultures because they have to grapple with it because there's so much um, projections. There's so much stuff's projected at them because they're actually living their true lives, right? So the heterosexual community just projects so much on those communities, but uh. it's everyone. We suffer from it. Yeah. And then sex has become a commodity, and then there's a whole, you know, um, unevenness between the sexes. And then that puts things into it's like misogyny. We don't even talk about these things, but these are real forces that's killing all of us. Mm. Yeah. It doesn't just kill women, man. It kills the men who need to be in relationship with those women. And it, I'm not even saying sexually. You might be gay. It's like your mother, your sister, your coworker. Like no one puts these things together, and it's just so obvious. Mm-hmm. But then why doesn't it, we put it together? Because it's so entrenched, which is part of that ego living, which is also why it's really not fun for Jeremiah to roll into the world because they're like, whoa, 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 dude, you're seeing things we're not seeing. We don't like this. We're trying to shove this shit down. How dare you come here and rub it in our face? You're like, I'm not trying to rub it in your face. They're just like, no, it feels like that. They're yeah. like, oh, I'm really not, right? So, again, all these things, is like it's one string. If you pull the string, the whole thing unravels. And that's the function of the spiritual work, right? It's like people always want to address, address it outside in. you got to address it inside out. It doesn't mean that you don't do outside work. You know, if you're called to do that, outside work can be anything. Take care of animals, take care of children, take care of your partner, take care of a sick parent or a sick elderly neighbor. Great, great, great. But tend to yourself, at least simultaneously, if not first. At least simultaneously. Yeah. 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 I think that relates a lot to literally what you were just saying. Um, and, And we've talked about this a bunch there's, you know, there's a reckoning happening in terms of uh, yes. the, the divine feminine. And yes. a big part of that is, you know, with the masculine, it's out, 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 out. And with the feminine, it's in, yes. in, 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 in. And this concept yes. of, of re- reception, receptivity, yes. le- learning how to receive, learning how to love yourself. And I think it's painful for people to realize mm-hmm. that they deserve, you know, that you are worthy. Yeah. yeah. It's very, yeah. very hard to feel like you've, you are worthy and that you deserve to receive, yes. particularly for women. They're taught their whole yes. lives that, yeah. you know. This is true. Yeah. <laughs> Celine, I'm sure you can speak I can, about it. I can say yeah. yes. I can say yes to that. And I mean, even, you know, growing up, I had like a very delightful, cushy time as a child like I I'm I'm aware of this now as I'm older and Mm -hmm. I grew up in a house that was very attuned to you know spiritual teachings and it wasn't you know all these ideas weren't kind of 
abnormal. Like this was Mm -hmm. part of my childhood. And what's really interesting for me now is kind of learning a little bit about I had these ideas, these opportunities, you know, to see through the veils, you know, to really connect with yourself, to love yourself. But it's only Mm. really in the last, I don't know, six, seven years that I've actually like been more tapped into it, mainly as a, you know, it's the thing that really like makes my heart go pitter patter. And I like these ideas, even though a lot of them are like destruction of the self and, you know, accepting your darkness. I do find it comforting to think Mm. that you can be these two different shadows of yourself just incorporated. I mean, it's a lot of work, but so that's a little bit different from Jeremiah's experience. I feel like we're Share, you've like really like gone through this very big transformation in mm. the last couple of years. Well, it's because you're a witch, and I, I... no, no. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's just like a different. I don't have this like concrete. Oh, now I'm re-entering. I think I'm mm. still trying to be authentic with who I am and with my work and with myself, and that's a really big. You know, well, if one had a choice, which we never do, I'll definitely take yours over mine and yeah, mine or Jeremiah's. Definitely, I mean, I we mean, don't have a hundred percent. I'm saying like this is it's wonderful. Yeah, it's just I, and yeah, yeah, it's a, a soft different... melting as opposed to being thrown on a high yeah, heat it's and a melt. Like a soft you know landing. A soft yeah, landing. I mean, the softening is what we're into anyway. Like the whole thing is a softening of the ego, right? It's, right. You need the ego while it's a softening of the ego. And yeah. the whole point of this thing that people don't appreciate is like you get forced into it. Like no one's going to do shadow work unless they're forced into it. You don't yeah. just wake up one day, you know, and be like, oh, I'm just going to do shadow work. Today. It doesn't work like that. Like <laughs> horrible things happen. You're like, man, I got to go into this place because it's going to be better than that. Like yeah. you go into the sewer because a big bird from up there is picking your head so much. You just got to go in the underground because you're going to get your head bust open. You don't run in there willingly being like, oh, this smells like shit. Let me take a dive in here. Yeah. You run in there because it's the only place where there's some level of safety. And then you're like, oh, I don't know. I should probably let my head get picked up on by that bird. I don't know. Down here, there's like alligators and shit. I don't know <laughs> what I'm going to do. But the bottom line is like the function of these things is just to free ourselves so we can actually be at peace. Yeah. See, another thing that we're really sold in this culture is this joy thing. Like joy comes and goes. It's like, no, you shouldn't be like suicidal. But the peace thing is the thing that we're after. And the funny thing is that when it finally comes, we actually get used to it so quickly. We're like, man, what's this about? It's like mm. you're forgetting when you're like chewing your nails and bleeding and just shaking and having to take all these things mm-hmm. to function. What it was like nine cups of coffee or two Valiums or whatever your drug of choice was. It's actually just to like abate that anxiety a little bit. Mm-hmm. In order to do that, we have to look at these things. And, it, you know, it's always going to be a small percentage of the population that does that. And we're so well defended and guarded that we can do so much work and so many things and still not touch it. And that's the other thing that's really like, well, that's a bummer. Like I did all this. I was like, yeah, that was just preparation. Really? 10 years? Mm-hmm. No, 20 years. Like whatever. That's just preparation. For some people, it was like some health scare when they're 70. Like it doesn't we, – we don't really have the time when this stuff's going to happen. Yeah. You just prepare and do the work. But planetarily, to your point, Jeremiah – like, yeah, the divine mother, the goddess is here, and we just, we never trust it. People talk a lot about the divine, the divine, divine feminine. No one trusts that, because the divine feminine only functions when you're in the moment. It's the masculine principle that plans. The divine feminine is literally like, okay, I'm just going to sit here till I get this next piece. That doesn't work too well in the corporate world. 
-hmm. That doesn't really work well in this corporate world, which is really what we're living in right now, you know, fitting into these schedules. But that's the point where we actually have to step back for a second and let it unfold. It doesn't mean that you can't plan to see your patients. It just means like as you do that, you got to pay attention. Mm -hmm. And then if you, you know, already booked Friday and you get told on a Monday, like, you know, on Friday you need to really, like, cancel your patients, get your ass on a bus, car, whatever, and go hang out in the woods for a day, you have to be willing to do that. Mm. But yeah. it, the soul asks slowly. It doesn't ask, It's very rare. We're just like, you know, you need to blow everything up. And the blowing everything up because you're actually ready for it, even though, you know, the ego never wants to blow things up. But it's those little voices that come up and we don't listen to them. After a while, we can't even hear them. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you know, this Celine, like a patient comes in and just like, I really can't work with this person. Yes. But whatever the thing is, is like, I feel obligated. I don't want to break their heart. Like, I need the money. Like, whatever the thing is. And then you do it and it becomes a nightmare. Yeah. You're like, oh, fuck, I'm not sure that. You know what I mean? As a lawyer, yeah, like, I'm like, um, we'll need your license and your license number. You're like, oh, Jesus, I don't need this thing. So, yeah, it's like when we don't listen to those little things, then we miss the big things. So people always be like, well, I want to be on a spiritual path. It's so simple. Just literally sit down and listen right now, whoever's listening. What is one thing this week that you got? It might be a little thing. I need to drink one cup of coffee less. Even when you get up next morning and, you know, bang out six espressos, pay attention. Like, I heard that voice. I didn't listen to it. Now it's like 10 o'clock. I'm having a panic attack, sweating. And now it's 12 o'clock. I want to kill myself because my blood sugar just crashed. It's just, it doesn't have to be like I even listen. Just take a mental note. I heard I couldn't listen. I wasn't ready to listen. I willingly, willfully didn't listen. Now this is what's going on. Interesting. Let me go back and revisit that. Hmm. Like it asks something of us. It's never like, hey, you look great bald. It's not that. It's just like you need to shave your head for this reason. It's literally these like little directions that come out. And that's what's going on right now globally that people aren't dealing with because everyone's projecting it out. Right. And it's them. If they shave their head, right. everybody would be okay. It's just like, well, it's none of your fucking business. Mind your own business. Like, what is your business? You. Deal with it. Yeah. Right? Anything, that's the, the great Jungian thing. You know what I mean? Whatever we don't accept in others is us. Or in the 12-step program, they have that wonderful saying, you know, if you spot it, you got it. Which is like, mm -hmm. leave it to junkies and addicts to like, take the wonderful work of Jung and then one line totally like, hand it to you perfectly, <laughs> stainly. It's like, yeah, that's exactly it. I read I read those 3,000 pages, and that's it. If you spot it, you got it. Like, <laughs> yes, what do we have? But does anyone apply that? Mm -hmm. Does any political party apply that? Does any person in their relationships apply that? Does anyone who judges somebody else apply that? No, not usually. Not usually. And it doesn't mean that you accept that in someone else. Like, somebody really might be crazy or racist or hateful. It doesn't mean you accept it. It just means, first of all, like, am I projecting something? No, I don't think so. Check myself. No. Yeah, you just that's just mean, man. You, you shouldn't say that. That's just that's just mean. Hmm. As opposed to me projecting onto them what they're projecting onto me. Yeah. Right? And that gets tricky because we are so defended. Because you're a hundred and two seconds, especially those of us with not safe childhoods, because that was a defense mechanism. So it takes quite a bit of training and you'll still fail five out of ten times. Right? Like I'm half joking about you headbutting that cabbie over the car that hit you. Like you can go into shot, then next level is like protection which is usually either violence or running away fight or flight right yeah but you got to catch that not fight not flight sit like it's not a lie it's not going to mess you up like okay this guy did this was this man or woman driving or hitting me like what was going on were they looking were they on their phone were they malicious it's all different energies that comes at us yeah 
foot, but that car is hammering all of us. It's just that it's hitting us and then backing up and hitting us and backing up, hitting us, and we're just going, what's going on here? It's a nice day today, right? You're like, um, maybe you want to get off the sidewalk because like, you're going to run over, buddy. Mm. That's what's going on for most of us. We still don't connect it that we're getting run over. Mm-hmm. right? And that's an amazing thing about our capacity to wear that mask so tightly that the shadow, we never own it. And what you don't own, owns you. So then the shadow you. So then we have all these amazing defense mechanisms. You know what I mean? It's sort of like the military budget of our country. You just spend throw trillions of dollars at this thing. It's just this behemoth, huge thing that's just like fucking everything up. But we're all like going broke, but we still service it the next year. Yeah. Oh, you need another couple of hundred billion? Yep, sure, no problem. Hmm. Yeah. It's like, but maybe we need to question this whole thing, right? Like, yeah, we need the military. I'm not saying we need to all be like peaceniks, but like, do we really need to have that? That's exactly what's going on with our psyche. Mm-hmm. It's so highly protected and mobilized, right? We're all mobilized. That's part of what's so hard about a spiritual process is you actually have to demobilize. You can't do the thing you normally do, which is pop up in the morning and crank some tunes and drink some java and then start running. It's just there's nowhere to go. So you can even do it and you jump in your car and your bike and you're ripping down the street going, what, what am I doing this? Oh, shit, i got to turn around and go home and just sit. Like that piece is quite an adjustment, as Jeremiah knows very well. Yeah. Right? And those of us, I always say to people, like have some kind of practice in the mornings, five, ten minutes a day, is just to start the day a little bit less mobilized. You're not going to not be mobilized. But just hear that voice. Right? And it's amazing how that couple of minutes even totally changes your personality. Yeah. If you're actually sitting, right? I'm not, you can actually do it and nothing changes. But if you're actually sitting, you're like, I'm a little sad today. I'm really energized today. I'm a little anxious today. You just have a different connection with your day. In a couple of minutes when you get home, or if you're subway ride home or your walk home, your drive home, just a couple of minutes, what am I feeling? Right? It sounds so simple. It's amazing how divorced we're from it. And one of the things of being hardwired on a nervous system level to these machines is we actually have no clue because we're constantly having an input of somebody else's feeling right which is already made up because they're full of shit because they're just doing this whole presentation because they're not in the moment so they want you to love them so they feel a little better that's narcissists Mm -hmm. but they can't accept the love right that's the thing about these things again it's awesome it's like i love watching motorcycle racism like insta feed or you know martial arts it's awesome a couple of minutes five minutes 10 minutes 20 minutes that's it i know when i go behind that threshold now i'm not dealing right now i'm not experiencing mm-hmm. right so again the invitation is just sit with self regardless people always have these things well i don't have it i have kids i have a dog i have a sick dog i'm looking for someone to have kids with i want to get rid of my kids i hate my partners it's like yes it never ends you just start right now in this moment, as easy as just drop it into your body. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I love these silences. These silences are good. That concludes part one of our conversation with Abdi Asadi. If this conversation piqued your interest, sparked your curiosity, you're feeling the same way that we both felt when we spoke with Abdi, 
check out his website. It's abdiasadi.com, A-B-D-I-A-S-S-A-D-I.com. Um, and there you'll find everything about him. He has a book called Shadows on the Path. It's which very is awesome. Phenomenal. And um, he also has a podcast, which is also really awesome. And um, I'm pretty sure he still takes uh, new clients. So if anyone is interested in calling Abdi, please feel free to reach out to him on his website. And um, yeah. Yeah. I didn't say much, but I'm with Jeremiah on all of it. I support it. (laughs) (laughs) Abdi was great. It was really wild. And... I hope you just like enjoy it. Yeah. Dip the yeah. toe. And we'll see you next time for part two. Yeah. Of our conversation with Abdi Asadi. Mm-hmm. Great. <laughs>